This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rupia, and we are now recording part two of our spring football preview. Um, recorded part one, which was the offensive preview on Wednesday. So if you haven't checked that out yet, I'd recommend doing that. Um uh, Plenty of interesting discussions, I think, happened in that pod. And we will try to replicate that here in the defensive preview. Um, But before we jump into that, Gabby, we do have some news, I think, to jump into um, and address. Miami has their defensive ends coach. It is Rod, Rod Wright. That's harder to say than you would think. Rod Wright. And he, he's a, he was a co-defensive coordinator at UTSA, uh, so University of Texas, San Antonio. Um, seems like he has a profile of, of kind of a successful up-and-comer, um, which I like. I think that's a good profile to match with Joe Salavea on the defensive line. Gabby, what what is your just initial takes on the Rod Wright edition? Yeah, it just seems like like what you said, David, a young up and comer. I think someone that's going to be hungry to prove that he's a, a recruiter, um, a guy that's going to, you know, sort of, you know, just have the energy to recruit. I don't think that Mario Cristal would have brought him onto the staff otherwise. And just talking to people like, you know, even in Texas, that sort of, you know, are familiar with him. It seems like he's someone that's eager to do all that type of stuff. A guy that had a co-defensive coordinator title. So I think he had. You know, I'm not sure if he was like the primary play caller, but, you know, some experience with, with putting together a defense that was nationally ranked for like a good portion of the yeah, season. They were and, good. Um, yeah, they had a they had a solid season. So, you know, I don't think he's just like some guy from a random G5 school. Uh, UTSA is a program that's maybe trending the right direction over there in Texas, or at least had a really good year. Rod Wright, obviously a big part of that. So um, I'm pretty encouraged about the hire. I think they might have had to gone a little bit more value there because, you know, I, from what I gather, it seems like, you know, they had to kind of, pay up to Charlie strong to, you know, get him to sort of make the move down here. So, um, you know, I think Rod Wright's a, a a solid addition at defensive ends. I know there was a couple small school guys that we were naming Rod Wright, obviously another that, you know, was, was in the mix as well. He's a guy that has sent um, some of the players he's coached to the NFL, which I think is impressive considering where he's coached. So he's coached at Sam Houston state, East Carolina and UTSA. And, you know, I think defensive end, especially when you're talking about NFL level, it's such a height, weight, speed um, position group that to me, it's, it's pretty impressive if you can send consistently send guys to the NFL um, 
from smaller schools. And Rod has done that. Rod is a former All-American at Texas in the early, uh, early to mid-2000s. He was a seventh-round pick, I believe, by the Miami Dolphins, where I don't know this exactly. I think the years line up, but I would assume he played. He had a brief career with the Dolphins, but I would assume he played or at least crossed paths with Jason Taylor. Gabby, you broke the news that Jason Taylor is expected to join Miami as an off-field analyst. Um, I think everyone wants to know what exactly does that mean? How involved is he going to be? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure those details really matter. I mean, to me, the bottom line is anytime you can have a Hall of Famer around your program, working with players in whatever role, and assisting and recruiting in some ways too, because Ed Reed does that as well. Um, I think it's a good thing, but, but what's your take on Jason Taylor's addition? Yeah. I mean, this was big. I mean, I think this is someone that David, I know at least privately when the, we heard that, you know, that this was going to be, there was going to be a defensive ends coach. He was kind of like my guy, like give me Jason Taylor all day. Um, yeah. I'm not, I don't think anyone's really hundred percent sure what his role is. He, he just had a baby. Um, you know, he is, you know, busy with other things in life too, you know, from a career aspect in terms of broadcasting. And, you know, I think he started a business as well. So there's a lot going on with him. Not exactly sure what he's going to do exactly, um, but he is going to be helping out with the pass rushers. I know that that is that much. Uh, I think that's a big deal whenever you can get an NFL Hall of Famer to help out with guys like that. It's such a premium position. Again, you're talking NFL draft. You're looking at the mock drafts. You're looking at left tackles. You're looking at quarterbacks. You're looking at edge rushers. That's typically the guys that you see come off the board first. So, um, you know, I think it's a really big deal that Jason Taylor is going to be around and, and helping out those guys. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a big win for Miami in terms of just, you know, he wouldn't have come for no reason. You know, I don't think he would have come unless there, he was fully bought into what Mario Cristobal had, you know, vision for the program and all those types of things. I know he's turned down a major college job before as well. So, you know, I think it's really cool that Miami's able to sort of get him on board. So let's transition to our spring football preview um, to the position group that Rod Wright and Jason Taylor will be coaching up together in different ways. And that's defensive end. Uh, Gabby, I'll be real. I, I am worried about this group in terms of how impactful they can be um, from a pass rush standpoint. I remember last year, right? The rhetoric was, you know, when we asked Manny Diaz about it, he was very confident that his system could help elevate players. And he would rattle off the stat, which was true, that every year of his defense, they had featured at least one defensive end each season that had totaled eight sacks. And he, he kind of admitted, you know, we don't have necessarily the premier pass rusher that we've had during those years. Um, but he felt like the depth of the group could overcome that. That didn't prove to be the case. Um, you know, I think Zach McLeod led the group in sacks with five and a half. Um, and the depth wasn't very impactful either. Now that depth is kind of being elevated into starter roles. But Gabby, am I being too harsh on this group or is there reason to believe in them in your opinion? 
No, I mean, I don't think you're, you're being too harsh just because the, I don't think the production has been there, at least not consistently. Um, I think maybe the place to be encouraged about was just that I guess both guys, the projected starters, are at least now I'm assuming it would be Jafari Harvey, Chance Williams, both highly ranked guys coming out of high school, sort of getting into that third year into the college program. Well, at least Chance is going his third year. I guess Jafari Harvey's already in his fourth year. Um, that's yeah. kind of crazy. Um, Yeah, it's gone quick for sure. But, you know, Chance, hopefully, you know, in a spot where he can maybe take that next step. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling super good about it. Uh, I I, we've talked about transfer portal in the past. Uh, They're definitely going after that guy, Mitchell Gude. I'm sure we'll get into that. But I mean, this is a position where I would be very open to them going and trying to find another guy via the transfer portal because um, I'm not super convinced about what's on the roster right now. Who do you believe in more at this stage between Jafari and Chance? Man, I don't know. I kind of want to say Jafari, but I mean, I think maybe Chance again, maybe just him t- like being in that third year now where he's sort of been in the system for a while. And, you know, hopefully Al's an upperclassman, maybe has it's sort of that time to take a leap. Um, I'm not sure I believe in anyone significantly more than the other. I might lean Chance just because he's a little younger and I think maybe he has that a shot to maybe elevate a little bit more. Um, Jafari Harvey, I feel like has been, you know, I think we could say disappointing in terms of just like maybe who we thought he was going to be coming out of high school. So, I mean, I might lean chance right now, but I mean, don't really love either one at this point. I think we should say both those guys do have athleticism, right? They do have, they do have some tools um, that are intriguing in terms of their body types and just their pure speed and power. Uh, I think now the challenge this spring and moving forward for their careers is translating that athleticism into on-field athleticism. I think at times they both play a little stiff. Um, and so, you know, whether it's improving their technique with their hand placement, it's, they, they just got to find some ways that they can find success um, at this level because, you know, you compare them to the two starters last year, DeAndre Johnson and Zach McLeod, they're much better athletes than those two guys. Um, But those two guys were just better football players. And so that's where Chance and Jafari need to take, I would argue, a pretty big step forward. Um, And that's where Rod Wright and, and Jason Taylor uh, need need to do some work um, with that group. Miami also added a transfer in Jake Lichtenstein. Mm-hmm. He primarily played inside at USC. Uh, he's a 6'6", 270 type of defensive lineman. So he's a, he's a versatile guy. I view him at Miami you know, especially since we know UAB transfer Antonio Moultrie is going to be an inside guy. I view uh, Jake as a edge guy, like a run defending edge setter rather than I think maybe on third down passing situations, they kick him inside, but I'm viewing him more with the edge group than the interior group. Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. And just because of, I think really as a guy that brings some more depth and stuff like that, I think, again, maybe not as like a a pure pass rusher type, but I mean, I'm, I'm just having seen him in person being at UM. I mean, that's a type of body that I'm not sure they have a ton of, you know, in terms of his size and weight and all that type of stuff. So 
Um, you know, definitely encouraged that they went out and added a guy like Lich, Lichtenstein. I mean, Moultrie too. I know we'll get into him, but I think he could be someone that definitely helps out on the outside. I mean, I think in that Mar in Mario Cristobal's introductory press conference, he was talking about the, like you know position versatility and stuff like that. I think Lichtenstein is one of those guys that definitely um, you know checks a lot of those boxes in terms of being able to move around and yeah, a guy that I think could definitely bring some some help off the edge for them. Of those three, so. Lichtenstein, uh, Harvey, and Williams. Who do you expect to have the most sacks at the end of this season? Oh, man. Um, I could see it being Chance Williams. I, can, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Chance. I'm going to give the younger guy maybe uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt that he could take that next step. I mean, he was a big-time big recruit coming out of high school. A uh, ton of SEC schools all over him as well. Ended up at Miami, so... Uh, I think this could be a chance. And with a guy like Jason Taylor, hopefully the coaching is one of those things that really benefits this group for this next, uh, you know, 2022 season, you know, throughout the spring, summer, and obviously into, into the fall. Um, I'm encouraged that with some good coaching, you know, I think that chance for them to be a guy that maybe emerges a little bit more. Who do you view as the starting two? I'd probably go Lichtenstein and maybe Harvey. I don't know. Just cause I feel like those are like the veteran guys. But let's see. I mean, I think Chance Williams could definitely, you know, carve out a starting role as well. The fourth defensive end spot. This is another guy that's versatile. Another guy that can probably play some inside too. I think with the way their defensive line is set up now, Elijah Roberts, the, the smart play is to put him at defensive end. Would you agree with that? And what do you expect of him in that role if you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Elijah Roberts is probably more of – I think he's a little bit of a tweener too in terms of a guy that could probably probably play both. Uh, when you're just looking at the overall depth of defensive end, you got to remember Nigel e. Kelly, I mean, is not is a guy that's not pro probably not going to be ready until the fall, you know, as he recovers from labrum surgery. Cyrus Moss, obviously a guy that's still young, that I, I feel like it's not really fair to put too much on his plate. I feel like Elijah Roberts could maybe be a guy that can kick out to the edge and – you know, I feel like he showed flashes too, um, you know, yeah. in 2021. And, you know, it's definitely encouraging a guy that they really liked coming out of Columbus. Um, you know, just, I, I think, I guess it was that 2020 class, uh, maybe 2021 class. And, um, you know, I, 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 I like Elijah, Elijah Roberts. I, I, he was kind of impressive last year in terms of just like what I expected of him. Uh, didn't really expect him to maybe do as much as he did. So um, if, he, if he's a dude that can take the next step, I think that that would just ultimately help what uh, Miami could do and just causing some disruption and stuff like that and just manufacturing pressure and all that. Just the way I would set up the defensive line from an edge perspective, I would go uh, Jake Lichtenstein and Elijah Roberts as your strong side guys and uh, Chance and Jafari as your weak side guys. But we'll see how they line up during spring football. It'll be interesting to see. You, you mentioned Cyrus Moss, uh, the top 100 edge rusher out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman, very talented guy, six foot six, two twenty ish. Uh, maybe he's added some weight here in the early going on with the uh, strength and conditioning program, but still, is going to need to put on some weight and strength to be an every down edge guy. What do you expect to see of him though in the immediate future? Can he he carve out a role as a, as a pass rusher in those third down situations? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I just think it's really funny how Mario Cristobal compared him to Jason Taylor. And now Jason Taylor is going to be the guy potentially mentoring him 
and all that stuff. I think, you know, just there's not a ton of, you know, I feel like solidified enough solidified guys in front of him for me to just completely rule him out. I think he just has a natural gift as a pass rusher. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I, I maybe not early on in the year. Uh, I could see it maybe, you know, later half of like the second half of his true freshman season, maybe emerging a little bit more. I mean, I'm just going to be, I want to see him in the spring. I want to see how he moves around. I want to see how he looks compared to some, some of those other guys, because if he's able to put on, you know, let's say if he's 220, if he's able to get up to like maybe like 230, 235 ish by the fall, which might be a big ask, but it seems like some of these kids are putting up weight pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think he could be a guy that could maybe be a third round, uh, a third down type of guy that, Again, I don't, I, he might be the purest pass rusher of the group. I mean, just yeah, naturally. Agreed. So I, I think that, you know, if he, if he is able, if you feel comfortable throwing him out there, I would love to see him have a role in this defense because I think he could be potentially special down the road. And to close the book on defensive end, do you feel like Miami needs to add a transfer to this group? I certainly do. Yeah, absolutely. I know they're going after that Mitchell Agude after uh out of ucla has that top four of washington oregon i think it's tennessee and miami um so i i i know that's someone that they would really like to add uh you know kind of an edge guy maybe a, i think he was a three four outside linebacker at ucla would probably be more of a you know true pass rusher here at miami so um i think if they can go out and get a guy like that i mean every single time i say yes defensive tackle um you know, we, we talk about maybe the lack of a pass rush at the edge position. I think Miami has a chance to have some guys that can provide pressure from the inside, though. And to me, that starts with Leonard Taylor, who flashed big time as a true freshman at defensive tackle. You want to talk about maybe the toughest position for a true freshman to play from a physical standpoint in college football, it's defensive tackle and Leonard Taylor, every time they threw him out there, he seemed to handle the challenges. Um, I think he was tied or amongst the team leaders with seven and a half tackles for loss on the year with a very small sample size. So made plays when he was on the field. Um, I would expect him to take a significant step forward this year, you know, full year in the strength program, uh, full year working on his technique at the college level. Um, to me, you know, Leonard Taylor fans should, should set the bar high with him in terms of what they expect out of him. I think he, he is a first round type talent, uh, when it's his time to go to the NFL draft. And, uh, he's a guy I think that could emerge as one of the better players in the ACC at his position. Yeah, I think that that's got to be the hope for Miami, that he sort of becomes that guy, just takes that next step. Again, super small sample size. I mean, people were pounding the table about why he wasn't playing early on in the season once he got his shot. I mean, it seemed like he was super disruptive. And, um, you know, just, again, taking that next step of in terms of just having, you know, the whole offseason to get bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, I think he's probably fully acclimated to the college game at this point. Um, even I talked to his high school coach, Mike Manasco, a few weeks ago, and he was just telling me how, you know, how Leonard Taylor's ready to go, man. Like he's just sort of ready to just let it rip. Um, you know, you want an interior guy like that, that can just be so disruptive that can eat up blocks. I think that makes life easier on your linebackers, uh, just really from your defense as, as a whole. So, I mean, when you're talking about the, the top defensive tackle in the country, number three overall player, I believe he finished the, 
that 2021 cycle at. You know, I think uh, I think Leonard, Leonard Taylor is just that guy that needs to sort of be the guy that, that everyone sort of expects him to be. I think he will be. And, um, you know, I think if he does that, that makes Miami's defense as a whole and just Kevin Steele's life a lot easier. Not many true freshman defensive tackles played last season. Uh, it's just the nature of the position, like nationally. Yeah. Uh, but of the ones that did, Leonard Taylor was by far the most productive. Um, and so you have to like that trajectory, right? Um, and I will say this. You, you look at the off-season pictures that emerge from the strength and conditioning program. Leonard looks like a grown man now after yeah. a year in a college football program. He never had a, you know, he never was like a baby fat type of guy, but he definitely has matured physically oh, yeah. um, since he enrolled, what, nine, 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, set the expectations high. Who do you, who do you expect to play next to Leonard? Cause I think it's fair to say Leonard's going to be a starter. Yeah. Who's going to play next to him? Do you go Moultrie or Jared Harrison hunt? I mean, I might go Moultrie, man. I mean, he was, again, Same. a guy with some position versatility that, you know, kind of came off the edge and played on the inside for, for UAB. And th that's always a, a pretty good defense. I mean, I know that Miami's ran into them a couple of times, or maybe it was just at once, but I mean, that, that's a, that's a defense that was constantly playing for, for conference championships. And it, um, you know, I, I got I, a defense that's produced NFL players. I feel like he's been a key part of that, um, an all conference player as well at one point. So, you know, I think Moultrie is a guy that comes in and just give, brings a lot to, you know, the interior defensive line. I know that's where Miami plans to sort of stick him. And um, again, just someone that's sort of an athlete that I think could, could create a lot of pressure, you know, helping both the run and the pass rush uh, from the inside. I agree. I think a lot of his value is going to come in the run game, just with how active he is on the inside. Um, again, he's an interesting story. He, so for UAB last year, he dropped like 25 pounds to play on the edge. Um, and he was productive in that role too. I think he had eight tackles for loss, um, made plays for UAB in that role, but at Miami, they want him to, to get back to being a defensive tackle where he's probably better at. Um, and yeah, I, I, just the veteran guy, you know, Jared Harrison Hunt, I think probably has a higher ceiling than Antonio. Uh, but last year, just for me, was a little too inconsistent from Jared. What, what did you think of his year last year? Yeah, I thought it was disappointing because I feel like he did show flashes. I guess it was 2020 that, you know, he could potentially be a guy that took that next step in 2021. It didn't feel like he took it. Um, I, I'm still a fan of the background, you know, high level, ba uh, you know, basketball yeah. guy that, you know, a lot of schools, you know, a lot of big time schools got involved with late in the recruiting process. I mean, a guy that could like windmill dunk. I mean, I know there's videos of him, like, you know, yeah. I think it might be Rucker Park in New York, just like throwing down absolute jams and stuff. So definitely a big fan of his background. And I think that, you know, maybe if he needs, if he gets to the right weight or maybe just whatever it is about what, what sort of held him back last year. Um, I think again, with this coaching and all that stuff, maybe a renewed energy, like maybe Jared Harrison Hunt. Uh, takes that next step again or kind of gets back to the being the player that maybe we thought he could be so um, you know I'm still encouraged about Jared Harrison Hunt I still think he could be a guy that that definitely contributes and that you know I wouldn't be super surprised if he even like you know pushed Moultrie yeah. for a starting role Absolutely. but um, you know right now I'm probably leaning Moultrie in terms of just you know the guy getting the first snaps Jared's a big time talent again he just has to improve the consistency last year he was one of the bigger offenders uh, you know 
from a defensive line standpoint with the missed tackle issue. Um, so obviously you got to clean that up, especially when you're playing on the inside there. You can't be missing a bunch of tackles at that spot. But no doubt the length, the athleticism, uh, the natural ability is big time. And, and he can be an NFL player if he, if he puts it all together. He just needs to put it all together. Um, fourth defensive tackle. Would you go Jordan Miller? Yeah, probably. Um, who's the other? I'm trying to think of like who else would be the. It could be like a Elijah Roberts. It could yeah. be like a Lichtenstein kicking those guys inside. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably is Jordan. Like if we're just straight yeah. up talking, I mean, he's played a lot in his career and run stopper. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be Jordan Miller. I honestly wouldn't, I, I'm not against the idea of Elijah Roberts, maybe kind of kicking inside sometimes too. I think he could be someone that's valuable inside as well, but yeah, Jordan Miller's another guy that's been around the program and completely reshaped his body. I know he's one of the stronger guys out there. Um, in terms of just like the weight room and all that stuff. So again, um, I don't think I'm not expecting a whole ton of him, but I think he provides some depth and could be a guy. Yeah. Like you talk about in the run game that, you know, definitely brings something. So I feel like he's never been like terrible, but he's always kind of been who he was. I do feel like he's kind of has like maybe a, a, a low ceiling in terms of just like who he is and what he's going to be. But, uh, you know, he's definitely a big body that can, you know, eat blocks and stuff like that. And, and, you know, be, provide some, depth for them on the defensive line are there any young guys that you like um like an alan hay or do you feel like that's probably another year away um probably another year away but again with i mean i don't think that this is like a super deep defensive line either i mean i right you know alan hay come alan hay coming out of high school i didn't have super high expectations for him but i mean again a whole year in in a college system i honestly haven't heard a ton about how he's developed or how much he's reshaped his body or any of those things or just how much stronger he's gotten. Uh, just really haven't heard much about him. So I'm not really too sure what to expect of him, but it'll be interesting to see. Cause I feel like, you know, can Alan Hay maybe push a Jordan Miller to be that fourth guy in the rotation? Maybe. Um, could he potentially get some snaps? Um, who yeah. knows? I mean, I there's think, fresh I think, eyes. So yeah, exactly. They're, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's fresh eyes on everyone. So, um, you know, I, I feel like you can't really count out someone like that, you know, going into their sophomore year, potentially, you know, this new staff may be liking more than maybe the previous or whatever it is. I think there's, there's a chance for a guy like Alan Hay to, you know, potentially do something. Does Miami need to add a defensive tackle in your opinion, in the transfer portal? I I'll say this. I wouldn't be against it. Um, I don't think it needs to be like a starter type of guy, but like, if there's an option where it's like, yeah, this guy can come in, eat some snaps and, He's pretty good at stopping the the inside run game and like would kind of clearly be the fourth best defensive tackle. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'd be here for it. I mean, there's not a lot of spots on this team. I'm going to say no to this answer. Like this question too, right. just because, you know, I do think that there, I mean, I just think every single level of this defense can be improved uh, I'm not saying that it's bad, but I just think that there could be, be like you could always make it a little bit, bit better. And if with the, the goal is portal, to win 10 games, right? If you want to win, if you're talking about potentially winning an AC championship or, you know, getting to Charlotte and competing with a, whoever comes out of that side, let's say it's Wake Forest again with Sam Hartman or Clemson kind of, you know, wakes back up and, and, you know, they're back in that game. 
you know, in order to beat those guys, you got to have just depth. I'm not sure at many of the positions on defense, I'm just fully comfortable with the depth. So, yeah, I mean, again, if, if there's a defensive lineman who can come in and just, you know, push for playing time, that a guy that you know can get on the field for you, um, I'm not really – or I'm just – I'm not ignoring it. I'm not dismissing it. Like, I will, go, I will at least, you know, entertain, uh, you know, my options and see what's out there. Let's transition to linebacker. Um, nothing has been done there via the transfer portal to address this group yet. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to be addressed, though, after spring. I think the coaching staff knows it's an issue. Um, but again, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, how it's hard to land transfer guys when you don't have your coaching staff set. And, um, you know, Mario Cristobal takes his time with putting his coaching staff together. And, um, so once semesters get rolling and you don't have a coaching staff in place, it's hard to land players at, at those positions. Um, so anyways, let's discuss who they do have on the roster at linebacker. Um, who do you expect to be running with the first team in practice number one? Yeah, I'll probably go. I mean, Corey Flagg's been the middle linebacker. I probably think it'd be him. Um, if we're doing like the, I guess. Let's go weak, weak side. side. Weak side. I mean, I would guess, I mean, just as a veteran, maybe Keontra Smith. I mean, it depends how serious they are about Chase Smith moving to linebacker too, because I would kind of love to see that. But I would probably put my money on um, Corey Flagg and Keontra Smith to start things off. I agree with Flagg. Um, I'll go Steed. I'll go Wayneman Steed. Oh, Steed. Okay, he's a guy. But, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Chase Smith, right? I think we should say on the front end, we will be keeping an eye on the availabilities of guys like Chase Smith, who's had, we believe, off-season shoulder surgery. Uh, Wesley Besaint, we know, did have off-season shoulder surgery. Now, Wesley is participating in, in some of the, the off-season strength and conditioning program, uh, which is a good sign, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be cleared to practice, um, you know, in football, particularly when, when, uh, contact is happening. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully Wesley can go at some point during the spring. Um, and the same with chase, um, because I think ideally those would be your potential answers. Um, but anyways, let's bring it back around to who is a returner, Gabby, at linebacker that you feel like maybe has a chance to figure things out and not a guy like a Chase Smith who we haven't yeah. seen there yet, but like a guy we've seen and a guy where like, I guess the argument would be right. Let's, let's just say hypothetically the defensive line play improves, which I yeah. think would help the linebacker play. Um, is there a guy where you're like, okay, I could see this, this linebacker being good enough if, if that happens. Yeah. I I'm honestly can't believe I'm even really going to say this, but I mean, maybe Corey flag. I mean, I feel like I agree. He's, he's probably the, the middle linebacker that Miami's going to roll with. I'm not sure there's a ton of options there, 
But, I mean, remember, he played at a big-time program in Texas at um, that Houston North Shore that won a state championship. He had, like, a 130-something tackles as a senior. Um, I do think that if the defensive line play improves, I think he's someone that, you know, I, I think he flashed, too. You know, he did show something, um, you know, in yeah. 2021. And, you know, it wasn't very consistent, and he had his moments where he looked terrible. And I do think, again, we're talking – I think he's a, a maybe a low-ceiling guy. I'm not sure he's ever going to be this maybe all-conference linebacker. But I do think that, you know, with, a, with better play, with just, you know, with him being able to maybe just react more than, you know, maybe have to think so much or whatever it is, I think that Corey Flagg could potentially take another step where he won't just be like, you know, a guy where you're just constantly worried about what's Corey Flagg going to do here? Or what, are they going to be able to exploit him or any of those types of things? So, you know, I could see Corey Flagg being a guy that maybe elevates a little bit just with the, given the whole new changes and the system and how it should, or it's, I think it's hopefully helps, you know, the linebackers be able to make some more plays. Because, I mean, 62 tackles or whatever it was as a middle linebacker, yeah, I mean, not I'm good just, enough. it's just not, that's, that's just not good enough. So um, I think that really he needs to maybe take that next step. Right. And, and I will say that I agree. I think Corey Flagg, it's tough, right? Because his issue, his biggest issue, I'm not sure is something that can necessarily be improved. Yeah. You know, because like, He's never going to be a sideline to sideline linebacker, mm-hmm. right? He's going to have to be a between the tackles linebacker. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, he's okay when he, when he's playing in that phone booth in that, um, you know, between the offensive tackles area, um, you know, Miami, of course, everyone knows had a ton of tackling issues last year on defense. And, you know, Corey Flagg, I'm not going to sit here and say is like a good tackler, but he definitely wasn't the problem with the tackling. There was a lot of other guys that were way worse at the tackling issue. So, you know, I think Corey Flagg does have some instincts. Um, I do think he sees things. It's just a matter of him being able to get to the spot he needs to get to, to make the play. so I agree. I think, you know, if it were me and if I was the, if I was Mario Cristobal, if I was Kevin Steele, I would give these young athletic linebackers every opportunity to try oh, yeah. and win that job. But if they're just not ready, you know, I definitely could see Corey Flagg remaining as a middle linebacker and I could see him being better than he was in 2021. Got to remember, it was, it was still his first year playing. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a learning experience and growth that can happen from that. Um, but yes, I think you would agree, right, Gabby, that... I mean, I think Wesley Besaint can play middle linebacker at the college level, um, even though he is slighter. Um, I think he can be a six foot one, 220 pound middle linebacker, which is kind of like the prototype nowadays, right. isn't it? It is. It is. And that's why I, that's why I'm encouraged by him. And I think getting him enrolled early was huge. That was not on the schedule. Like that came down to like the wire, like that Wednesday where it was like the enrollment day or whatever, like that was when he moved in. It was, it was literally down to the last minute and, you know, getting him in early and getting him to be a part of that college system, because you know, South Florida, while they produce, you know, a bunch of top talents, don't necessarily have the facilities and all that stuff to 
you know, potentially, you know, put a ton on these guys in terms of weight and all that stuff. And I think Wesley looks good physically, but I think just getting him into the strength program, you know, throughout the spring, into the summer and into the fall, I think that's going to give him his best, his best chance to earn uh, a job just because he's not going to be coming into the summer and having to play catch up. Like, you know, he's kind of coming in again, we're talking about fresh eyes. I mean, yeah, Wesley's a freshman, but you know, this is, this is a whole new system with just a bunch of new guys. And, you know, I think that's what gives Wesley a chance to potentially win a job here. It's not like these guys are coming in with the mentality like, oh, this was our starter last year. And, you know, this right. is a new freshman. It's just like, we don't know any of you guys. At the same time you're meeting Corey Flagg, you're meeting Wesley Bissaint. And, you know, I think he has natural leadership characteristics, you know, things that you can't really measure on the field. I mean, just watching him play a ton in high school. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that's calling out defense that's extremely vocal on the field. And guys just kind of gravitate towards, I can definitely see him being the middle linebacker of the future for Miami. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can go win that this year, you know, if uh, he's healthy and, you know, everything sort of lines up that way. Is there a guy that intrigues you that maybe didn't play much last year? This could be a Sam Brooks. This could be a Tyreek Austin Cave. This could be a Avery Huff. This could be a Tyler Johnson. Um, do you think any of these guys can realistically push for a rotation spot this year? I feel like, you know, a couple of those guys, I, I know Avery Huff. I know there's other issues that, I mean, issues in terms of just maybe like knowing the playbook and all that stuff with, you know, just kind of being able, just being fully familiar of what it is you know, he's supposed to be doing on, on defense. His, I'm not sh- his head is spinning whenever yeah. I'm on the field, you know? Yeah. And or it's just like, now I that there's a new, the and now there's a new defense that he's going to have to learn. I just don't know how, I mean, if he struggled in three years to pick up Manny Diaz's defense, I mean, is he going to be able to ke- figure out Kevin Steele's over the course of what, eight months? Um, I'm not super sure about that. I think physically he was obviously super intriguing. And I think like he's, gifted in that way maybe potentially more than a lot of the other linebackers on the roster but you need to be able to go on the field and actually produce and do it and you know again play instinctually rather than just like thinking so much and that's where i think he gets himself in trouble tyreek austin cave another highly productive kid coming out of high school i think he looks good physically you know has a good strong lower half just based on what you know what we've seen him out there at practices and stuff um i'm interested to see if maybe he's a guy that could step up again i think one of these guys needs to step up for miami at linebacker i mean it can't be the Wayman Steed, Corey Flag, you know, Keontra Smith unit. You know, I think if it's Wesley, if it's Chase Smith, if it's Tyreek Austin Cave, if it's a Sam Brooks, Tyler Johnson. I mean, I think he could potentially be someone. I mean, again, uh, kind of like that defensive end making the transition to linebacker uh, at the next level. It's a tough transition. It's a big ask. And, um, you know, I saw him make some plays at linebacker as a senior. So maybe that could be – maybe he's someone that's a little bit more familiar with it. But still, I know that's a tough transition. But I mean, I think physically, Miami, Tyler yeah. does have some tools. Oh yeah, and he it's moves just... around really well. Like he can he can really run too. So, and again, we're talking about the prototypes and stuff like that. Not saying he is exactly that, but I mean, the six one, you know, maybe two hundred and twenty pounders or whatever he is. Um, you know, I think he's someone that could potentially take the next step if he's able to sort of put it all together. He was a late arrival too, which you know I think is important to, yeah. to remember. His issue, like you were alluding to, is is playing in space it's just uh it's a different deal um sam brooks i kind of think the toe thing just like messed up the trajectory of his career and i have a hard time seeing it now i also think you know we talk about defensive ends in high school trying to play linebacker in college he kind of falls under that category as well and you know 
it just might be might be tough to see him. Would you be interested to see him potentially make the the move back to defensive end? See, I don't know if he's big enough uh, as a college defensive end. You know what I mean? So to me, that'd be like, you know, like we saw it with Keontre Smith going to linebacker. Like, yeah, he's very fast and all that, but Keontre Smith misses a lot of tackles um, just because he's a smaller guy. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what to do with him because I don't, I'm with you. I'm not sure I see him factoring in at linebacker. It's just what, what could be next for him? Like, is there another spot where he could potentially like work out? Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth exploring, but is it the answer? I don't know. No. Um, okay. Let's close the linebacker discussion on this point. This might sound crazy, but I don't know. Is, is linebacker a bigger concern than edge rush in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. And just like, I don't know, maybe I was, maybe I'm just like setting my expectations too high, but just like, even just like watching like the national title game and watching like, you know, N'Kobe Dean and like Traylon Walker run around and all that stuff or like just N'Kobe Dean, just the way he moves and stuff like that. It's just like, I want that. And it's just so obvious that Miami doesn't have anything close to that. And so I know that linebacker is something that needs to like significantly improve and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I'd probably go linebacker, but I know edge is super important too. Cause when you can create that pressure, I mean, it just makes your life a lot easier. So I'd probably lean, lean linebacker because I think I, I edge, at least I know the, I feel like the, at least the athletes are there at linebacker. I'm just kind of like, what do we got here? Who do you believe in more? And this is unfair, but whatever we're doing it. Who do you believe in more? The duo of Wesley Besaint and Chase Smith Ooh. or the duo of Jafari Harvey and Chance Williams. I'll go Wesley Besaint and Chase Smith. So that's what I mean. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. But they're also is, young and stuff too. I mean, Chase is, I guess, second year guy, but I what mean, is I don't the know. bigger concern then? Because I, I agree. I mean, I do think it's linebacker. I just think it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, there's holes, basically. Yeah, there's, def there's, def there's definitely holes. On, bo on both sides, there's definitely holes. This roster, is, this, this roster needs a way to go. And that's why this recruiting thing is so important because it's obvious that at multiple key spots on the, on the defense, um, there just needs to be more. There just needs to be more. There needs to be more at cornerback. Um, yep. <laughs> Tyreek Stevenson, I think his status, it's fair to say, we'll, we'll see when we're out there, right? Because he had off-season shoulder surgery, I believe. Um, so we'll see if he's out there. Uh, obviously, he's going to be one of the starters. We know that. I think he had a relatively pretty good year as Miami's top corner in 2021. There's certainly room for improvement uh, that, that he can work towards, but overall he was, he was a pretty solid addition uh, to the roster. I can't imagine what the corner situation would have looked like if Miami didn't have him on the team last year. Um, so let's, let's discuss the number two corner, right? There's definitely names that we know and have seen and, but I think there's still questions in terms of, is it good? Is it good enough? Yeah. Um, DJ Ivy to Corey couch, Al blades, jr. Um, Marcus Clark, which one of these names excites you the most? 
I mean, I just feel like with a lot of the guys, we've kind of already seen what they can do. Um, you know, Al Blades was a starter at one point. I mean, I'm not totally writing, writing him off. I know he had the health thing with um, and all that stuff. And I mean, physically, I think he looks great. I think he probably lacks some top end speed, which is probably his biggest issue there. I mean, I'd probably lean Marcus Clark in terms of just a guy that maybe excites me most out of that group, just because, you know, again, when you're looking at profiles, you know, converted wide receiver, um, a guy that I thought made a few really good plays on the ball last year. You know, I don't think he was perfect or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think a guy that, you know, you can kind of man someone up with and he can run with them. And, you know, I think he has a chance to, you know, defend passes, you know, intercept passes and, you know, just make plays. Uh, I'm pretty encouraged about what I saw from him at times. I think he flashed and I think he's still a guy that's still learning how to play corner. And I think, you know, people on Miami staff would be the first people to tell you that, that, you know, Marcus Clark is still developing as a corner. But I might lean Marcus Clark just because, I mean, I mean, well, we've seen DJ Ivy for what, what four else years now. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what else? what else is there? Um, you know, we've seen sort of to Corey Couch and, you know, his struggles, you know, to tackle and, and do a lot of those types. Yeah, that of things. was tough. Can, can Takori bounce back? Because there is, I think there is something there. Yeah. He just, he seemed like a guy that totally lost his confidence. Honestly, going back to the 2020 North Carolina game, I think it all kind of started to, to unravel there. Or maybe that just teams just started to expose him after that yeah. game. I don't know. But do you think he can bounce back or that's probably what he is. I mean, I look, I live in South Miami, so I live very close to James campus. I saw to Corey couch at Publix the other day, and he's probably thicker than I've ever seen him be in terms of just like his size. I mean, he's always more, he was always more of a slimmer guy. He definitely looks like he's put on some weight and stuff like that. So, I mean, hopefully he's is a guy that can maybe just be a better tackling on stuff, but in, in coverage, again, he's kind of been exposed and I feel like he always looks good in practice. And, when they do the one-on-ones to Corey couch, it's always kind of one of those guys like to me that stands out, you know, in terms of him being able to yeah. just cover a guy, but then you kind of put him in those game settings and it seems like it's different. So, um, I mean, I think he can potentially, I'm not like fully writing him off yet. Um, a guy that's not going to be around this spring, Daryl Porter. I think he's someone that could potentially push to Corey couch. Um, but I mean, just kind of looking at the roster right now over the next month and a half or so until the spring game. Ah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not too sure what to make of him. DJ Ivy. What is it? I mean, it's I, his fifth I, year. I, it's his fifth year, man. You know what? I went to bat for him last year. I did. And, you know, I said, you know, I, th- I think DJ Ivy could be a guy, you know, with T-Rob there and all that stuff. You know, they were kind of talking well about him and sort of the development he was sort of taking and, you know, just sort of saw a lot of the same that we, we've Tell seen. Tell me this. Is DJ Ivy like bad or is he just kind of like meh? Like he's just mad. Like he's just not good. I feel like he's just not good enough. You know, he's just someone that is, you, you don't like, he can be beat. I mean, he can make a play and all that stuff, but I don't think he's someone that you can like fully depend on to be like, you know, where we know that we're good when DJ Ivy's on the field, you know? And um, I'm not sure there's really a cornerback on the roster. Like, you know, Tyreek Stevenson's the guy you feel best about, but is Tyreek Stevenson even like a lock complete lockdown corner? Like, no. Yeah, but... exactly. Like, I mean, he's, he's better than what we have, but. You know, DJ Ivy just doesn't like. I'm not feeling great when DJ Ivy's on the field like I would with, you know, let's say back in the day with like a Mike. Like I think Mike Jackson is significantly better than like what DJ. Oh Ivy, yeah. You know, like I think I don't think there, there's a player like that. So, Al Blades, you know, you discussed him a little bit. Do you like him more as a corner or as a safety? Because he was working a little bit at safety. Yeah. 
in practices last year, like before he got, like shut it down. Um, obviously his dad was his safety. Do you think, I mean, again, like tackling, I think is a little bit of a concern. Uh, so that's not ideal at a safety spot, but where is the best place for him to be like the fourth safety or like the fourth corner, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Again, at corner, I'm just the, the, the top end speed. Like, you know, I think if someone like, you know, you put him, you match him up with one of those, like, you know, fast outside guys in the ACC, I'm not sure he's a guy that's going to run with anybody. Um, so maybe safety, um, I mean, you, I think you feel really good about the depth that you have there. So, again, I don't know if Outblades is necessarily a guy that you're going to need to depend on. But in terms of, like, depth, I'd probably feel better about corner just because I think he's a guy that could maybe just help out more there. Like, I think he could have maybe a bigger role if that's something that he's able to sort of carve out for himself. But I feel like at safety, I don't know if he has, like, much of a shot to contribute in that way. But maybe. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not super sold on that. I would I honestly can't really make a decision there. Malik Curtis, he took a red shirt last year, kind of a smaller framed guy, right? Played a lot of wide receiver in high school, very fast, very good in special teams as a return man. Can he maybe please hopefully step up and be the number two corner? Is that just totally unrealistic? Yeah, I, I think that might be unrealistic. I mean, do you think that there's a chance? I mean, I don't know. I thought he was good on special teams, even like in like coverage and stuff, like as a gunner or whatever. Like, I feel like he made a couple plays. He got down the field and all that stuff. But again, the frame is, is concerning to me. Yeah, the, he a very very slight frame. Um, I don't know, man. Again, but again, like talk, what's he competing against? Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, but it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I have a really hard time with that. Like he does not like even coming out of high school. Like he did not look anything close to like a college college ready cornerback i mean he played mostly receiver and yeah he's super fast and he has all those things but he needs to get like bigger and he's also like maybe generously generously 510 i mean i'm not i'm just right. not i'm just not sure what he's so, sort of what his ceiling is at corner so miami's added daryl porter jr right who's yeah. not participating in the spring because he's not enrolled at miami yet that'll probably happen in the summer um so there's a guy who, again, I would probably pencil in as the starter opposite of Tyreek, but we'll see. Um, do you think Miami needs to try and land another transfer corner? <laughs> again, again, I would be very open to it, but I think this, I mean, I can't just keep saying that. So um, I think Daryl Porter could be a, a realistic number two corner, a guy that's, you know, obviously played a lot of football already at West Virginia has started in, you know, big games for them. So, you know, I'd feel comfortable about Daryl Porter potentially coming in and being the number two guy. I mean, I'm honestly, I could see a guy like Chris Graves come in and, yeah. and compete. Like I think from a, a purely, from a talent perspective, he's better than Malik Curtis. I mean, I think he, I think he has a higher ceiling than, I think I'm going to say he probably has a much higher ceiling than Marcus Clark. Um, you know, I think he's, he's bigger yeah. and faster than to couch. And he's not as old as DJ Ivy. So, I mean, I think, I think Chris Graves has a chance. And again, he's going to be a summer enrollee and that's always tough and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that Chris Graves is going to walk into a starting role, but I think again, his, just his profile, what he brings, I mean, like, I think it's like 1101 in the hundred meter, you know, really long, again, converted wide, a guy that played a lot of wide receiver in his background was just absolutely, yeah, very strong body. 
Then I don't think he's I don't think he's going to come in and be at like a physical disadvantage. Bishop Verreau has a you know a very good athletic system and all that stuff in terms of how they you know strength and conditioning and all that type of stuff. So he is put together well, and I think he's someone that you know you get him in in the summer. By the end of the summer, I think he'll be he'll be looking pretty good. So I could see Chris Grace coming in and you know making some noise in the cornerbacks room. So wouldn't it be crazy. I mean, I could again I could totally use a cornerback in the portal. All for that. But, I mean, I'm also pretty encouraged by Chris Graves. If I'm Jamile Adai, I am doing everything I can to make sure Chris yep. Graves has every opportunity. I mean, this is in the summer and fall camp, but every opportunity to try and win a job. Uh, we should mention Kamari Rogers, early enrollee corner. Yeah, Still working his way back from an ACL he sustained during his senior season. I think he's probably still like, even if he was healthy, he'd be a year away because needs to just college strength program for a year. Um, But he's a guy to know for the future. Um, Safety. Probably the strength of this defense, right? I don't think there's really any debate. Um, They got three pretty good, pretty talented guys in uh, James Williams Avante Williams and Cam Kitchens, who all flashed playmaking ability of some sort um, during their first years playing last season. Um, So we all know they're good, all that stuff. Tell me this, and and this will kind of bleed into an interesting discussion, I think. How would you rank the three safeties? Like, Ability wise, first, second, third. Yeah, I'd probably go James, Avante, Cam. Okay. I probably go James, Cam, Avante. Okay. How, like, how do you view, like, so we both have James number one, right? Yeah. I would argue, though, that they need to find a way to put the three safeties on the field together. Right. Yeah. And there's clearly a hole at that linebacker level. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying make James Williams a linebacker necessarily, but it's pretty obvious, right. That they need to Kevin Steele needs to devise a defense, whether you want to call it a four, two, five or whatever. Um, you know, where James Williams is like the in the box safety or the big nickel or, you know, whatever, however you want to characterize that position, the guy who is in the box as a safety, helping that linebacker group. Would you agree with that? Or do you still want James as a free safety? Cause he was also good in that role too. Yeah, no, he was, he was good in that, but again, you got to be able to, Again, maybe like in, a, in a, maybe in the base, I guess James free safety or whatever. But you got to be able to show different looks in college football today. Like you got to be able to move guys around. James Williams is a chess piece. Like he he's a guy that can play. He can do a lot of different things on defense. And I think you need to utilize that. I think he understands that at this point. It's not super different from what he was doing at American Heritage as a senior. You know them kind of you know Pat Sertain kind of bringing him closer to the line of scrimmage. And you know again a guy he's a guy that can help in the run game. He's a guy that can, that can cover, he can run, he can do a lot of those things. Um, you know, so I think bringing James Williams, you know, having packages or just having a, a setup where James Williams is, is that in the box safety or is, you know, just playing closer to the line of scrimmage. 
I mean, I'm all for that. I mean, I think you have to feel confident in Avante Williams. We've seen his ability to just be able to track down balls and all that stuff. Cam Kitchens is kind of like, you know, maybe like that true, just like, you know, I feel like between the ears, Cam Kitchens might be, you know, the best of all of them because I just think he's a very intelligent kid. And again, talking to those guys, I mean, that's something that they, they sort of talk about Cam in that way as well. So, you know, I think that they, I think all three of those guys are three of the better athletes on the defense regardless. So, yeah, I think you got to find a way to get them all in the field at the same time. And, you know, if James Williams isn't necessarily playing that free safety all the time, you got to be able to get him closer to the line of scrimmage. And again, not to call him a linebacker or say he needs to be a linebacker, but that's a way that Miami can use him that makes that there's not a lot of James Williams is in the ACC. You know, there's not a lot of, a lot of defenses that have a, a piece like that. So, I mean, that's definitely advantageous for Miami to have a James Williams type of talent. And, um, you know, I know Kevin Seals is going to get super creative with him and I know he must be, you know, thrilled to have a guy like that, that he can sort of move around in, in multiple and put in different, multiple different spots. If I was Kevin Steele, I would say, James, you're going to, on first and second down, you're going to be our in the box guy. And then on third down passing situations, you will be our free safety. Um, so we'll let you play deep in those situations. And I think James would like that. Um, he can show his physicality on first and second down. He can show his range on third down. Um, let me, let me ask you this. So let's say, let's say, um, the third down package, um, you know, third down pass or pass defense package. Would you put those, would you keep those three guys on the field together in that role? Or do you need a, another corner instead? I mean, I'm totally cool with having those, those three guys on the field at the same time. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, David. I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I want to have, if those three can be on the field at the same time. Yeah. They're, I mean, I feel like even last year they were better when all three of them were on the field at the same time too. So I, I would put all of them out there. I mean, I feel, it feels like Avante is in, you know, a space where he's gonna, you know, play well and just kind of sort of, you know, be around a lot of stuff and be able to go through the whole off season and those types of things. And, you know, people were talking about him being a starter last year, you know, he was sort of, he took that Jalen Phillips number 15, you know, he was going to, he was going to, you know, set to be a starter last year. And then obviously everything happened where he got in some trouble and came back and definitely showed flashes, but him sort of consistently being back at the program, I think he's, I mean, then you got Cam and he's, Cam's been awesome. I mean, Cam was so good for Miami last year. He made so many big tackles, uh, you yeah. know, in the anti-state game, you know, one that sealed the game. And then, I mean, you just gotta, I just think they're three of the better defensive players. Like when you, when I'm talking about, when I'm thinking of like the best defensive players, it's like Leonard Taylor, James Williams. And then like, you know, I'm kind of trending towards the safeties, you know, and Avante Williams, Cam Kitchens type, uh, you know, those types of guys. So Tyreek Stevenson too, but, you know, I think you got to find a way to put your best players on the field. And I think those three guys are amongst the best on the defense. So I think it's as simple as that for me. Is James Williams going to lead the team in tackles next year? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think so. If he's healthy. I think, I mean, Bubba Bolden's led, led the team in tackle last year, right? I mean, I feel like it's typically been a safety for Miami. In 2020, yeah. In 2020? Who led it last year? Was it flag with flag. 60? Yeah. Gosh, that's just not good. Um, so, yeah, I could see it being – I can see it being James Williams. Uh, who should be the fourth safety? I'm a Brian Balaam guy. Give me Brian Balaam. Are we convinced he's healthy from his neck thing? Maybe not. But if he is – um, you know, I, I don't dislike Brian Balaam. You know, I think that he could, I think he's, I think he could potentially be good enough 
And he stepped up in a big way. Uh, I guess it was 2020 at Clemson. You know, he kind of got yeah. thrown in there. He wasn't awful. Um, I think he was someone that before his neck injury could have been someone that was a regular part of the rotation and stuff like that. So um, if Brian Balaam's healthy, uh, I, I can take Brian Balaam. If not, uh, let's see if this I, Isaiah Dunson experience, uh, experiment works out at safety. You got Keyshawn Washington, too. Is there anyone I'm missing? Um, Al Blades, maybe. Al Blades maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. makes the, the full-time move to safety. But um, I, I think talent-wise, I can – I agree. I it's probably Balaam, go, probably go if, he's, if he's got the next stuff behind him, which yeah. hopefully he does. Yeah. Um, all right. Big picture. This defense, right? Um, what is – what is a realistic expectation for this defense at this point? Right. Like, I think you and I agree, like there's not game changing talent at every level of this defense. Yeah. Um, it was very inconsistent last year. I think they, they allowed 28 points per game last year. Um, so what are realistic expectations? Because this defense, if we're being honest, isn't going to leap into like, no. you know, a top 20 group that is limiting teams to 20 points per game and, you know, just choking teams out. Yeah. So give me one area and there's an obvious area yeah. where it's like, if they do this better. Yeah they will definitely be a better group. Yeah. I'll take the low hanging fruit. I mean, tackling, I mean, I think yeah. if you are just, if you know, top, you know, every layer of the defense, I think if you tackle better, which maybe they will, I mean, with all these veteran coaches around and stuff, maybe it they can, can be improved. It up to an, exactly. It can be improved. I'm not expecting it to be, you know, completely eradicated, but I think it can be improved. And I think if it does, I think naturally, you know, your, the defense is better. It was just horrendous last year. Like, I don't know if it can, be that but I think it kind of maybe got a little bit better as year went on but I feel like you know if they take that next step as a as a team from a, just getting guys on the ground man I mean it's kind of like the base you know goal of the game is like get the guy on the, with the ball on the ground if they can just be better at that um you know I'd be pretty encouraged about maybe the overall you know maybe you know yeah year to year improvements of of everything but I mean I think they could be better at a, at a lot of things obviously like you said David this defense is not going to be an sec type of defense overnight or one of the best in the acc overnight but um yeah i think that they tackle better and you know they can they can they can definitely improve the whole defense as a whole entirely tackling is the essence of defensive football right um so last year they missed 188 tackles on the season what does that number mean? So Duke was the second worst tackling team in the ACC last year. They missed 168. So Miami missed 20 more tackles than an awful Duke Blue Devils team. Really bad Duke team. Uh, I went and looked, Gabby. So the missed tackles per game in the losses, in Miami's losses last year, 21 missed tackles per game in the losses. In the wins, 11 missed tackles per game in the wins. So, which is what it needs to be for the entire year. If you're missing about 10, 11, 12 uh, tackles per game for an entire season, that's okay. 
like missed tackles are a part of football. Yeah. Uh, you are playing against someone. Um, it just can't like 20, you know, over the stretch of five games is it's horrible. And that's why you're going to lose. Um, yeah. The Michigan state game was 30, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, so the other area too, I think where uh, they can take a step and improve on, which is from coaching. I think um, coaching can matter and tackling. Honestly, if you tackle better, you're probably better on third down. So third down defense was bad in the losses last year. In the five losses, they allowed 45.5% on third down. Um, in the wins, oh, sorry, not in the wins, but on the season, 39% on the season. So got to be better on third down, obviously. Um, and look, these are things that we think they can control because, again, like, yeah, Miami, I would like to say go out and pick off more passes because I think last year only Tyreek Stevenson and um, Marcus Clark had picks amongst the corners and they each only had one. So, yeah, it'd be nice to be like, yeah, pick off more passes. I'm just not convinced they have the personnel to go do that. Yeah. It'd be nice to say like, yeah, go – pile on a bunch of sacks. I'm just not convinced they have the personnel to do that. Um, but tackling better, I think that's a fair thing to expect improvement on third down to me is about like being better connected as a defense. If that makes sense, just being on the same page, um, which I think the defense lost sight of last year. You could point to like Manny Diaz taking over the defense. Was he stretched too thin as the head coach, defensive coordinator? Um, so, yeah, I think these are areas where it's like, okay, if they improve in these areas, maybe instead of allowing 28 points per game on a season, they can allow 25, right? Um, also, this is interesting too, Gabby. Um, Points per game and the losses. Guess what that number came out to be? Guess high. You're on mute. I'm going to go 34. 37.6. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. So all the, in all their losses, the opponent scored at least 30 points. Um, gross. And... So, yeah, I mean, that's an obvious area too, right? Yeah. Like Miami's offense could go out and get you 30 last year. For sure. It's just the defense couldn't always stop teams from getting 30 too. Um, and I'll just end on this, right? I think we all know that the last staff kind of, what's the right word? Uh settled a lot and assumed a lot based on age. Um, just kind of always assuming the oldest players are going to be the best players. We believe in player development. And if you're in your third or fourth year in our program, you're going to be better than the young guys always and forever. You know, now that a new staff is in place, I hope that 
this new staff is aggressive with making changes and exploring options. Don't wait until it is too late and obvious to everyone who is watching you that there are issues. Like if I can see issues, it's too late. You, you haven't addressed your issues um, because I don't get to watch your practices every day and all that stuff. Um, but if like you're missing 30 tackles in a game, you can't fix that during the course of a season and you've, you've screwed yourself uh, before you can address an issue. Um, that was a problem with the previous regime, in my opinion. They didn't know or didn't have the eye for anticipating issues. Um, and so I just hope that's one area where, again, this coaching staff on the defensive side this year, veteran group, they know what it's supposed to look like. They've seen it before. Um, and so you would hope with that experience, they will know how to best deal with issues rather than act surprised when yeah. things kind of constantly are popping up, whatever it may be. I, I want to see some accountability too. Like just like guys, even like after they make a mistake on the sideline, I feel like yeah. we saw too much of just like the friendly, like, it's all right, man. You know, maybe next time, like I want to see some and stop. Wanna, like, like I've seen high school, I've seen like high school coaching staffs that are much more aggressive or like assertive than maybe we, what we saw from that. And like when you're defensive staff, like one year. thing that was bothering me last year was like, we got like a scientific explanation on how to like improve tackling. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's forced to the ground and all this stuff. And it's just like, no, tackling's a, it's just a skill. It's a football trait. And either you got guys out there that can tackle or you don't. Um, so find the guys that can tackle. Uh, Hopefully we got football guys and not scientists. <laughs> Mathematicians. Yeah. Um, let's close it there. So defensive coaching staff, where do you feel like just year over year, it's going to make the biggest difference with this coaching staff compared to last year's coaching staff. What position group? I mean, linebacker. I mean, I think again, this is, I'm not, this is not to insult anybody, but I think, you know, Jonathan Packey to, um, you know, Charlie strong or just Charlie strong taking over the, I mean, that's a, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been a longtime defensive coordinator who just coached middle linebackers in the NFL has been a, a head coach at three power five or two power five programs. And, you know, obviously a G5 at Texas. Um, I mean, Charlie Strong being the linebackers coach is, is big time. And then Kevin Steele, that's obvious. That's his background as well. And, yeah, he's going to be more of a walk-around type. But I think Charlie Strong is probably the biggest maybe coaching improvement on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. I agree. That would be my pick as well. I also do like the idea of splitting up the defensive line. Yeah, um, just giving them extra attention. Then, of course, adding a guy like Jason Taylor, not a bad yeah. thing either. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Hopefully, you guys, uh, hopefully we're not, like, making you feel bad about this team going into this year. That's not our intention. We just try oh. and keep it real, right? And, uh, you know, the expectation for this Miami program you know, they're extremely high. I don't know if we're, we're, if we're holding them to that national championship standard uh, with these discussions, but I do think we're holding them to a standard of 10 wins. 
And if this program is going to start winning 10 games per season consistently year in, year out, uh, it's got to look a certain way across the board on this roster. And so that is what we're speaking to. There's certainly talented pieces. There's certainly coaches to be excited about. Um, but to me, the bottom line is the only way Miami's going to get to that level is recruiting talent acquisition via the portal. And that takes time. So can this team win 10 games if everything goes right and they add some more pieces in the portal? I do think so. Um, but again, I, I've mentioned this on a podcast here recently. To me, this is like an eight and four type team. And so, you know, I guess that's just the way I'm discussing them. So where, do, where are you at with that, Gabby? I know you said 10. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. I think 10 yeah. could be the ceiling. I think, I think what we were doing there is discussing floor and ceiling. So when I say eight wins, to me, like that's the floor. I think this team can win eight games. Um, when you were saying 10, the way I interpreted it was like you, could, you were saying, yeah, this team can win 10 games, Yeah, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I just wouldn't expect it. What do you think after just kind of doing a little deep dive into this roster, where are you at now with things? Yeah, I think 10 wins would be a, a, a huge success. Um, there's holes. I mean, there is holes. And, you know, I think when you're comparing it to the rest of the ACC, I think still think Miami's roster is better than maybe a lot of the teams that will probably be on their schedule. But, you know, it's going to be a grind, man. They definitely have some things to figure out. Um, you know, I think this team could win anywhere between, you know, eight to 10 games. I think anywhere in that window, I think it's fair to maybe hold them to that. I could see, I could see eight wins. Uh, you know, I could see, I think maybe nine is probably you know, most realistic, I guess. I don't know. I would hope that they can win a, a game more than they did last year. So um, let's see, man. I think that yeah. uh, I, 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 I don't even There's know. There's a ways to go. Do. Maybe we feel differently sure. coming out of the spring, right? You know, learning some things and maybe they add some portal guys, uh, which they will between now and the start of the season. That'll bump that expected win number up. So anyways, we're rambling. Uh, let's end it there. Again, spring football starts for the University of Miami on Monday. Uh, we will bring to you as much coverage as possible from that. And uh, until next time, take care.